You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner-Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night plumes. Back to half chapters uh, for a couple of episodes, largely because the chapters are getting longer as the journey is uh, pulling closer to its end. And that's what I get for insisting that every chapter is set in a different location. Uh, so yeah, some of the chapters are just way longer than others. That's how it is. Chapter 16. At the Frisky Foxglove. Part 1. Nimaway got her onion dumplings. Mardi, who apparently had a softer spot for the girl than Icarus had realised, went into the Frisky Foxglove to collect them personally, along with a cask of cider as a gift for the crew of the silken hair. Buttering them up, Icarus observed. Mardi, who was looking more cheerful than she had in days, tipped him a wink. Perhaps I'll be a tavern keeper in my next career. The first rule of business is to keep your staff content, so they'll work harder for you. If you say so, said Icarus. That's the future you want for your young one, is it? Running a riverside bar at the beck and call for scoundrels and sailors? Mardi settled down on the deck, making herself comfortable on cushions she had brought out from the cabin. Why not? she said lightly, opening her own basket of dumplings and smacking Icarus's hand when he reached for one. It worked out fine for yours. That's different. Is it? Yana's family have owned that tavern for generations on her mother's side. Well, Mardi patted the curve beneath her dress. This little one's mother could be doing anything by the time she's born. I certainly don't intend to induct her into the current family business. I thought sewing and such. She wasn't just called the needle because of the time she'd gutted three men with the same rapier. Maybe, Mighty sighed. I always thought I'd be a seamstress. But it's hard on the hands after a while, and the eyesight. I'll be ageing again once the raven releases me. I have to think about the future. Far ahead, not just where my next meal is coming from. Icarus didn't like to think about it. Marty had been a constant for him for the last twenty years. Soon she would slip away from them, into a life of constant change, change, while he and Valeria continued untouched by time. Losing Bors had been a fast, sharp pain. Losing Marty would be a slower, more drawn-out kind of ache. What if the gods want her? he asked. Eyes drawn back to her belly. They'll have to kill me first, Marty said, with a ferocity that took Icarus aback. He hadn't realised she was still angry at the Black Raven. It shouldn't have slipped his notice. He'd been spending too much time distracted by Calix and her concerns, not paying enough attention to the people who mattered. Where's Valeria? he asked, to change the subject. Mardi took her time, finishing a mouthful of dumpling. Sleeping, I think. So early? 
and she'll take first watch, she, she said. For a calm, competent killing machine, Mardi was a terrible liar. Icarus watched as she ate two more dumplings, one after another, an excuse to not say anything else. I don't see Dio on deck, he said after a moment's thought. Did he skive off to the tavern? Marty said something around a mouthful of dumpling and tried to look innocent. What was Valeria up to? Are they fucking? he asked. Marty coughed, half choked on a dumpling, and spat it on the deck at his feet. Oh, you asshole! she said, when she could breathe again. They are. Of course they're not. Good. He's a child. Marty rolled her eyes and wiped her mouth on a napkin. I know you find it hard to tell the difference, but he's a grown man. And it's none of your business who Valeria takes to her bed anyway. I know that. The second part. Dio is twelve years old. Twenty-two. Same difference. Something hit the boat. It was a brief vibration of something small bumping against it, but Icarus and Mardi both tensed. Then, low voices arguing, and a splash. That way, said Icarus, and took off without waiting for Mardi. Competent she might be, but she moved a lot slower these days. He leapt onto the rail of the starboard side of the barge, looking down, and saw Valeria and Dio tussling wildly in a rowboat. Two oars had already gone overboard, floating off out of reach. The little boat was strangely illuminated in purple light, surrounded by a halo of night blooms. It was as if the glowing flowers were drawn to them, clustered as thickly as they were. What? Icarus said. Dio glanced up, and Valeria took the opportunity to shove him overboard. Her head tipped up, and for a moment Icarus saw her pupils, burning emerald, unnaturally bright. She turned away and leapt into the water herself on the other side of the rowboat, making for the dock. Monster, said Mardi at Icarus's side. She's on monster. Dio, dripping wet, hung onto the side of the rowboat. Someone dosed her at pandemonium, he called up. Shit, said Icarus. No need to ask why Valeria had haired off to pandemonium. He'd long since stopped questioning why she did anything. But some actions were inevitable. They needed to know more about Calix and the political situation they were crashing into at Phoenix Burning. They might be days away from the city still, but the Queen of Pandemonium always knew more about what was going on than the King's own spies. Someone else had thought ahead, guessed at what Valeria might do. Someone had got to Lanyette before her. Monster, though, that was a nasty trick. It was a war drug, dispensed only by clerics of the Silver Hawk. In a human soldier it sparked a berserker rage known as the Killing Fever. Strategic use of that particular outcome was the reason that the Divine Kingdom hadn't lost a naval battle in the last hundred years, the reason that no one had ever successfully invaded their wealthy country, 
via the magic passes in the north. A kingdom so wealthy in resources would be considered rich pickings for all passing empires. But between them, the gods and their servants managed to protect its borders. The Silverhawks' methods were a little more brutal than the rest of them. No one sane would hand out monstrous party favours unless they wanted to create pure chaos. An ordinary human on the drug would likely become infused with a killing rage, fighting all who stood in their way. For Valeria, a trained assassin carrying more knives than your average weaponsmith's forge, that kind of homicidal fire could carve a bloody line through the entire country. Someone had been angling to do some damage, or cause one hell of a distraction. One thing was for certain, Icarus couldn't let Valeria anywhere near a crowd of people. He had to shut this down, fast. Protect Calix, Icarus ordered Mardi, and ran lightly along the rail, leaping for the ladder leading up to the dock. A soaking wet Valeria did the same, on another ladder further down, climbing so fast it looked like her fingers and toes barely touched the rungs. A few heartbeats ahead of him, she ran for the tavern, a tavern full of people. Her clothes heavy with water did not slow her down. She was as dangerous as him on a good day. It was a long time since they had truly tested which of them could beat the other in a real fight. With monster running through her system, Icarus was not sure he could stop her without killing her. Valeria turned on the threshold of the frisky foxglove and gave Icarus a brief, toothsome smile before she ran inside, bright curved blades gleaming in each hand. Icarus ran after her, murmuring a prayer beneath his breath. Blessed raven, save your servant. He wasn't talking about himself. By the time Dio made it up over the railing to the deck of the silken hair, Marty had taken charge. Calix, who emerged from the cabin to find out what all the fuss was about, was now refusing to go back. Icarus has it under control, Marty insisted. You need to stay undercover. You don't give me orders, Calix replied in icy tones. See me spitting cherry blossoms? Keeping you safe is easier when you do what I say. If your damn bond can tell the difference, try giving me the benefit of the doubt. Calix frowned and her eyes flashed. Tell me what is happening with Valeria. Someone took her out of the game, said Mardi, crowding Calix back towards the cabin door. Icarus is trying to mitigate the damage, and if I was trying to kill you, this is when I would do it. There was a sound like an exhaled breath and a dull punch. Dio didn't realise what it was at first until he heard Calix's scream cut through the night air. Marty had shoved her to the deck. She staggered for a moment, still shielding Calix with her body. As Dio reached Marty's side, he saw an arrow a whole god-cursed arrow sticking out of her, just beneath her ribs. 
She reached for him as she fell, and he only just managed to grab her hand. Trap, Marty said as she hit the deck. Protect the... Petals erupted from her mouth. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. Uh, I'll be back next week with part two of this chapter at the Frisky Foxglove. Uh, this podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at, at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Thank you.